Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is the uh, 22nd of January, just sort of keeping track of the calendar, keeping track of time. Might feel like uh, time flies. It might also feel like we've lived a whole year in the last three weeks. I want to encourage you to not believe all the myths about time. Here's a myth about time. There's not enough time. Um, Actually, that's a myth. There's, uh, There's always enough time. In fact, there's always exactly the right amount of time. Time is in God's hands, um, entrusted to us. Certainly, we all get the same number of hours every single day. Uh, it's not as if some people get more time than others. It just seems so because they might be more productive than we are. But don't believe the myths about time. There is always enough time. Uh, here's another myth. You'll never run out of time. Um, actually, one day you are, in fact, going to run out of time. Um, you're going to run out of time and into eternity. Um, and where are you going to spend that? That's a good question to be uh, whew, to be engaging um, in. We are going to actually run out of time one day. Uh, here's another myth. The, uh, well, I don't know. Do people actually think they can buy time? I'm buying time. No, you can't buy time. Uh, time is uh, set. And the days of our lives are set, and, um, and then that's it. Then you actually run out of time to go back to the prior myth. Okay, so um, there is enough time, but just enough time, the exact right amount of time. You're never—it's uh, uh, a myth to say you'll never run out of time because you actually will, and you can't buy time. Okay, so some time observations. Um, I remember— I think it was Winston Churchill. I could be attributing this to the wrong person. Um, Someone will correct me if I am. Uh, He observed that time is the one thing that could never be retrieved. Like you can't, you can't go back. You you literally cannot go back in time. Um, Only God uh, redeems time. He does so by grace. Even God doesn't go back in time to rewrite history. Um, Yes, he forgives and he even forgets our sin, but he doesn't go back and mess with what happened, uh, with what we did or who we were. Um, he covers it, he forgives it, but he doesn't go back and um, and, and actually you know, change what happened. So time is a gift from God. It's given to us every day in equal measure. You and I have the same amount of minutes and hours uh, in our days, and we will have the number of days that God has uh, deigned for us to have, and not one more, and not one less. So what are you going to make of the time that you have been given today? What will I make of the time that I have been given today, and how are we going to uh, use that time for God's glory. Okay, that's the big time question for today. So uh, time, speaking of time, n- next week I'm going to take some time off. Peter Kapsner is going to be with you here each morning. I'm going to go take a little time away. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to take time to rest. 
I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to put my feet up. I'm going to drink coffee with my mom, probably lots of coffee with my mom. I'm going to fold towels. That's a, that's a like, therapeutic, um, I mean, just take some time to fold a towel today and think about all the number of ways you could do that and which one makes you the most satisfied to unfold. I, I just, you know, there you go. Fold some towels. I'm going to walk in the woods. I'm going to watch the mist roll across the water on a lake. I'm going to read some novels. I'm going to write some things. And then, of course, uh, in the very moment that I tell all, tell you that, my head says, well, there's not enough time for all that nonsense. Well, I'm going to smile, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to acknowledge God, and I'm going to breathe deeply, and I'm going to encourage you to do the same, because there is enough time. Time is real. Time is also fleeting. And so let's invest the time that God has graced us with today, and let's invest it well. All right, we're going to catch up with Adam Holtz this morning on a few media headlines and what maybe is worth and not worth watching. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz joins me from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Welcome back, sir. Thanks Good for morning, spending Carmen. a little time with us. Thanks for spending a little time with us today. Absolutely. You know, I was reflecting on your towel meditation, and, uh, you know, you read books about the conflicts that you experience in marriage. <laughs> in my experience, the conflicts that I experience in marriage, none of them are in the book. And one of those is how you fold towels. My wife and I fold towels differently. And um, mm-hmm. we're both convinced that our way is the best. And after almost 17 years, I'm not sure we're going to resolve that conflict. But I just wanted to toss that in. I just I so this would be my remedy. Have two have two different places where towels are kept and you keep your folded towels in one place and she's allowed to keep hers in another place. Well, and, and, and never the two the shall have to intermingle. Well, they don't intermingle much anyway because we have three kids, so the towels yeah, actually get out of the right? laundry room and folded <laughs> and in the hall closet is a small miracle. So it's, re- no it's really not doubt. an issue. It's really not an issue. <laughs> hey, um, talk with us about – we have a number of reviews yeah. posted at PluggedIn.com. Yeah. Let's start with Where the one that start? I have, of course, been waiting for, which is WandaVision. Yeah, WandaVision. Okay. Is it as bad as I anticipated it was going to be? Well, I loved it, and I'm actually oh, going to be watching. Go. I'm going to be watching the third episode as soon as we get done here. Uh, I didn't quite have time to do episode three this morning, but I'm going to be writing our review. We do TV reviews episodically, by the way, and with big shows, we try to cover every episode. So we'll be doing that with WandaVision. Um, WandaVision is unlike anything Marvel or Disney has ever done before. It takes two characters that we're familiar with: Wanda, who you might know better as the Scarlet Witch. And Vision, who is her android synthesoid, if you want to get really technical and nerdy, because I'm a huge Vision fan, um, husband. Vision was killed in uh, Infinity War, uh, the first uh, of the, uh, of, well, the first of the last two Avengers movies. Um, and so we don't know exactly where in the timeline this fits. It would be natural to assume that it's before that. There are lots of theories about what's happening here, but basically Wanda and Vision are living this idyllic, uh, at the outset of the series, 1960s sitcom style existence. And this is a sitcom. So the first two are really modeled after Bewitched in the Dick Van Dyke show. 
And yet there are these little moments where they both realize something is off. And so there's some mystery here. There's some suspense. Uh, it is a beat for beat remake of those kinds of shows. I mean, if you've ever seen Bewitched or the Dick Van Dyke show, you're going to be like, oh, I saw that episode. I mean, uh, it really, I actually, I found it quite remarkable for me how well it worked and how entertaining those shows were. Uh, so it's sort of a, you know, a reminder of a throwback to a kinder, gentler age. But my understanding is that it's going to be moving forward in time from here. So I think this week's episode is based on the Brady Bunch there's a future episode that's going to be based on The Office. And obviously, as we get closer to the present, I suspect there will be some sort of real, you know, some sort of resolution of what's going on here. Content-wise, there were like two mild profanities in two episodes. It was the cleanest TV I have seen in years and years and years, other than mm. straight up kid, kids' shows. Now, again, as we get more contemporary, will it get rougher? Yeah, probably. But if you're a Marvel fan or if you like old sitcoms, this is an interesting show. So there you go. Yeah. And the and the costumery will take you back. The costumery. I love that. The costumery right? is awesome. Don't you like oh, yeah. love? I love that they're like dressed. These are people who got up and got dressed. Like uh, for those of us yeah. who are still in our pajamas, even though we're at our jobs, uh, because of the world we now live in, these are people who got up every day and got right. dressed. They, they put themselves they together. To they work. did their hair. And they went to work. And let me say one other thing, just on an aesthetic level. This is really neither here nor there in terms of the morals of the show. But Elizabeth Olsen, especially, I mean, she absolutely owns what they're doing. And she pulls it off. And Paul Bettany's pretty good. But but Elizabeth Olsen, I think, really carries it. She's remarkable in the show. I hope, I hope she gets an Emmy nod because I think she deserves it. All right, let's um let's take a very brief break and when we come back, let's uh I don't know, want to do Batwoman? Sure, we could do Batwoman. On a theme. All right, that's up yep. next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In, you can read the reviews that we are talking about today and a lot of other great content at pluggedin.com. Um talk with us about Batwoman. Well, Batwoman is a show on the CW that is obviously somewhat connected with Batman, and it's in the second season. And after the first season, actress Ruby Rose, who was trumpeted as the first LGBTQ superhero to lead a network TV show, decided that she had had enough. Uh, she had had an injury, she had to have surgery, and she just felt like the role was too much for her. So they killed off her character. Uh, and now there is a new character uh, who is taking up the Batwoman suit, uh, played by actress Javisha Leslie. And in the show, uh, her name is Ryan Wilde, and she is an ex-con with a horrible, horrible background. Uh, she doesn't think she's worthy to carry the legacy of being Batman, but Batman himself has gone missing. There's nobody to fight crime, so if not her, who... Uh, and she, you know, picks up that mantle and she's got some scores to settle and some revenge to get. So this is very much in the vein of the dark kind of superhero, almost anti-hero trend really that goes all the way back, I think, uh, to Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight series. I, I loved those movies, but it was like he set a reset button 
on on the whole genre. And just like the first uh, Batwoman, this uh, this version is also a lesbian, and so we see her engaged with other women uh, physically. And it's TV fourteen, so I mean it doesn't go into super super explicit territory, but we certainly know what's going on there. Uh, and so they didn't change that aspect of her character. And, you know, there's lots that we can talk about there, but I think the mainstreaming of uh, gender and sexual fluidity might be the biggest storyline here when we have a hero and part of her heroism is the fact that, you know, she's an LGBTQ superhero. So there you go. Okay, um, can I can I pause you and ask you to rewind just briefly? Um, I, sure. TV fourteen. I thought we were doing TV thirteen or something. What what is this a different rating? And I just missed it. No, TV's always been TV fourteen. We got PG thirteen okay. in movies. Oh, PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we've got TV fourteen on TV. The just as an aside, though, the Motion Picture Association of America which I think they've changed the name to just the Motion Picture Association. They got rid of America, shocker. Um, That's an independent board of parents who watch and rate movies. Now, it's not a perfect system. It's not totally consistent. There are flaws there. But people may think that TV is rated the same way. It is not. All of the ratings we see on TV shows are ones that the networks themselves have given. So there's no outside source trying to say, is this consistent or not? And so TV show ratings will typically be more lenient than movie ratings uh, because there's really nobody policing this. So I think that's important for people to know too. Okay, we could probably have a whole conversation about um, how are parents defined in that group of quote unquote parents who are making these decisions about ratings because I think we have all assumed that there's like a good housekeeping seal of approval. You know, right. if it's PG, it's it's going to not be uh, it's it, it's 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 going to be OK. Um, right. Certainly if it's G, it's going to be OK. But there are people out there who, you know, are our parents now who don't share my value system. Is that fair to say? Well, that's fair to say. And the other thing that is interesting, we could do a whole show just on this. But the rating system is always reflective of the mores and the values of the moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy for us to think that it's just getting worse and worse and worse. The reality is our our cultural values change. If you go back and watch the original Footloose from 1984 uh, and it was rated PG, it's much, much, much more problematic than the remake a couple of years ago because our cultural values have changed. But, uh, you know, but one of the ways they have changed, obviously, is the embrace of sexual fluidity any way you want to define that. Uh, so that is, is one of the things that we're certainly seeing now. Um, and, and so a PG movie from, you know, 1983 is different than a PG movie now. You know, Smoking the Bandit 3, I still remember when I saw it, when I was 12 or 13, has a topless scene in it. You would never see nudity in a PG movie today, but you might have in 1982. So uh, again, we just have to, we have to think for ourselves and the ratings are always a jumping off point for us to ask the question, I wonder why it got that rating and then dig in ourselves and see if we agree with it or not and, and if the content's gonna be appropriate for our family. 
Okay, and then my guess is that the ratings related to games and gaming are different altogether. You might have to do, um, you might have to, you know, I don't know, we might have to circle back around to this topic. Yes, and I'd be happy to. Just the ESRB, the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, is an independent ratings board that is more like the movie system than the TV system. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, um, one more topic before we let you go. Uh, yeah. At PluggedIn.com, there's a blog posted um, on coronavirus screen time. Why yes. is the word supernova in that um, in that title? This is a, a blog that I wrote this week, and it is um, – I quote a number of things from a New York Times article that basically the, the point of the article is um, – that parents have pretty much given up on trying to monitor screen time during the pandemic. And honestly, I am right there. We do not have a tight handle on this. When your kids are home all the time, when you're home, when you're working, when they're doing school, and then lots of unsupervised time. And I don't want to sound like I'm making an excuse, but but this article has said, you know, screen time has been an issue, but the coronavirus has absolutely exploded it. And, and one of the things that the article has said is that the longer we're at home and the longer we're increasing our screen time, the harder it's going to be to do a reset when we get to the other side. Um, and so I, and in the article, I just give some some suggestions on how to begin a reset process. Uh, for me, it's easy for me to be all or nothing. We have to fix it all right now or it's not worthwhile. But I don't think that's going to work in this situation. We need to be carving out spaces in our families where it's like, okay, you know, for two hours after dinner, we're going to turn our devices off. Let's start there and begin to reclaim some of that lost territory. And and my wife and I are doing this right now. We're we're trying to figure out how do we claw back some of that time because it's just been an extraordinarily weird year with all of us at home. And we're all on screens for work and school, and it just bleeds over into everything else. Yeah, it, it, and, you know, I'm even feeling that fatigue, let's say, in my church um, community group or small group, right? Um, we oh, want yeah. to, right, we want to meet, we want to be together, but we've all spent hours of our day already on a screen. Um, yep. And our kids are are there, and do we want to spend those uh, two hours after dinner when we would normally be actually meeting face-to-face with our community group somewhere and they would be meeting face to face with the kids of our community group. And instead we're all on a zoom call. It's just weird. Now, if I never did another zoom call again, it would be just fine with me. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, reject the, yeah, reject the all or nothing thinking become students of your kids. I thought that was a really good point. Um, The third point is sort of do a self evaluation of your own tech habits. Uh, Man, if you just, if you just check that out, you're going to, you might be surprised just how much screen time you have as an adult. Um, And then fourth, take baby steps toward staying active. Um, I liked that one. Making changes uh, requires intentionality and engagement is sort of the final point. Um, Lent is coming. So, you know, maybe if you are looking for a particular point in time to begin a reset of social media, a reset of screen time, a reset of uh, Paul and I were just talking about um, our uh, our diets. Um, uh, yeah. You know, the Lent is coming and maybe it's a good time to begin preparing now, talking with our families about how we might reset in this area um, during the season of Lent. I love that idea. And uh, I'm going to 
act on that. I, I think. Awesome. And that's the thing is sometimes we need an artificial outside catalyst to get started. It can be yeah. a weekend. It can be Lent. It can be spring break. Uh, we need a marker point to make those changes. But but we need to make changes, and and it's okay. You know, the goal here is not perfection. The goal is engagement and intentionality. And even if we're pretty engaged and intentional already, most of us still have some room to grow in that area. Absolutely, absolutely. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, Carmen. Check it all out at PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. All right, jumping in now to a conversation with author John Bevere about his latest book, X, Multiplying Your God-Given Potential. This is Max Licato. Jesus once went to the house of a little girl who had just died. Mourners were gathered at the door. Why are you crying? He asked them. Mark 5 and verse 39. You see, when we see death, we see reason to cry. When Jesus sees death, he sees deliverance. That was too much for the people to take. They laughed at him. Verse 40. You're not going to believe what Jesus did next. He threw the mourners out. You know, God is still busy casting out critics and silencing the voices that could deter you. Some of his work you've seen, most of it you haven't. Only when you get home will you know how many times he has protected you from mocking voices of unbelief. He knows you and I are blind. I think that's the reason he raised the girl from the dead, not for her sake. She was better off in heaven, but for our sake, to teach us that heaven notices when we trust. This is Max Lucado. Well, it's fun to be joined today by John Bevere. You recognize uh, his name, international speaker, best-selling author, known for his bold and uncompromising approach to God's Word. You also know him as the husband to Lisa. And for those of you who have been listening long enough that you remember Addison Bevere and the book Saints, he is, John is Addison's dad. So welcome, John, to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it's great to be on with you. And uh, yeah, so you're you got the two great ones before me, so hopefully I'll be able to hold up the standard here. Yeah, the the Bevere standard is quite high on our program, so we're we're thrilled to have you join us today. The new book is X, multiplying God given potential. Um, I will tell you that when um, when you know sitting on the counter, a book with a big X on the front um, can be interpreted by different people in the family in many many different ways. So talk with us um, just just about that, and then talk about what the X is marking. Well, the X is the multiplication symbol, and this is a book that I've wanted to write for years, and I felt like the Lord said, wait, 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 and I know why now, because I wrote, this is like the first book, I've written 22 books, and this is the first one I've written with like a father's heart for the church, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I open up with a story that kind of, this will really, a couple stories. Yes, yeah, about really golf. Great. What's that? It's about golf. It's about golf. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's really, yeah, the opening story is about golf. I uh, had one of our partners that, you know, took me to a really famous golf course and we were driving back and he said, John, I've got a question. Can I just be vulnerable for a few minutes? I said, sure. 
Um, he said, you know, my net worth now is over $9 million. My businesses are doing really well. My wife and family are cared for for life, even my children and children's children. He said, John, why should I work as hard as I've worked the last 25 years? Why should I work as hard the next 10 years? Because he had just turned 50. And I, I knew it was a moment, Carmen. And I looked inside and I got the answer. I said, well, let me answer your question with a, a different scenario. I said, you know, I'm I'm in my 50s now and I've written at that time it was 17 books and I've gotten on planes. I've flown over 12 million miles. I've been in 60 nations. I have um, lived in little 400 square foot hotel rooms for 200 nights plus a year. I've eaten the craziest foods. I have fought jet lag, experienced cultural uh, differences that were a, a, a bit a bit um, eye opening. And I said, you know, my, my wife's cared for life. My children are cared for life. Why should I write another book? Why should I get on another plane? And he laughed and he said, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when uh, you stand before Jesus. And I said, well, Stan, you just said the exact same thing to me. And I, I'll never forget, he laughed when he said, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you stand before Jesus. And that, that smile left his face and he, he turned and he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, Stan, here's the deal. All of us are called by God. We are given a specific assignment to build his kingdom. And I said, with that calling comes unique gifts to fulfill that calling. And these gifts are supernatural. They're not natural gifts. They're actually supernatural. And I said, we have a choice. We can use those gifts to benefit only ourselves. We can use those gifts to build the kingdom as attended, or we can just sit on those gifts. And I said, it's up to us because God doesn't micromanage us. And I said, here's the problem. You directly connect my gifts of writing and speaking to my calling of building the kingdom. You have not connected your dots. And I remember it was such a wake-up call. And six months later, he said, man, I'm working my tail off to be worth $35 million so I can give so much more to build the kingdom of God. Well, Carmen, this is true for every single human being. I don't care if we're talking to a stay-at-home mom, if we're talking to an ER nurse, if we're talking to a hairstylist. Every one of us have been given these unique supernatural gifts. And the thing is, these gifts, we have limited them to inside the four walls of the church, when in reality, maybe less than 5% deal with inside the four walls of the church. Most of these gifts are supposed to shine out in the world, the arena of life that God is sending us into, whether it's education, healthcare, stay-at-home mom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so the point of this book is to communicate, if you're operating in your own ability, your own natural ability, you're never going to fulfill your God-given call. And a lot of Christians, Carmen, and this is where the disconnect comes in, they think, if I just live a godly life, the gifts in my life will automatically work. That's so untrue. If you look at the most godly man in the New Testament, his name was Timothy. Paul wrote to the entire Philippian church and said, I have not found anyone with a more Christ-like attitude and character than Timothy. Yet Paul has to write to Timothy twice and say, your God-given gifts are inoperative. They're being overlooked. Stir them up. Hmm. So the point of this book is to help everyone to understand they are uniquely gifted. And that gifted is not natural gifting, it's supernatural. And there's something that we must 
do to engage those gifts so we can shine in the arena of life that we're called to. The book is X, How to Multiply Your God-Given Potential. The author is John Bevere. Um, When we come back, I'm going to ask John, hey, is this everybody, like, is this each and every person born on purpose and for a purpose with um, supernatural gifting, or is this just a few people, those standout uh, folks? Um, And then I'm also going to ask him, hey, are there some particular questions we could ask that point us to our purpose? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation now with author John Bevere. The book is X, Multiplying God-Given Potential. So, John, um, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's some really gifted people out there. God, you know, God calls some people, but everybody, every person, each person, really? Without a doubt. And that's, <laughs> that's the point of this book because that, you, you know, let's make a statement here, Carmen. Um, you hear this. He's got a call of God in his life. She has a call of God in her life. Um, Where do our minds go? Our minds go to vocational ministry, pastor, worship leader, missionary. That maybe deals with five or less percent of the people in the body of Christ. Every single person has a calling on their life, and every single person has unique giftings to fulfill those callings. So Peter makes it so clear in 1 Peter 4.10, as each of you has received a gift or gifts— use them. So every single believer, but because we've been so correctly and incorrectly taught by, unfortunately, many times leaders in the church or just the way we think, we limit these giftings to inside the four walls of the church. Let me give you, let me give you an example of this. A very good friend of mine pastors a church that they have over 35,000 people. I've spoken to the church. He's a close friend. Well, he does a big leadership conference in which it sells out every year. And there's a very well-known medical doctor in his city. And the medical doctor, he was walking through his, his sanctuary the day before the conference, and the medical doctor was putting pamphlets on each of the seats for the delegates. And my friend rushed over to him and said, Doc, Doc, what are you doing? we got interns. we got volunteers that can do this. You don't need to be doing this. And he said the doctor rebuked him. And the doctor said, Pastor, I I take one week a year off my practice so I can build the kingdom of God. Please don't take this from me. Carmen, I have wept. I've been on podcasts. I've been on radio interviews and wept over this man's statement. I've Mm. said it enough now to where I'm not weeping anymore. But it it grieves my heart that for 51 weeks of of the year, this medical doctor sees himself in the secular realm. But Mm -hmm. one week a year, he gets to be in the sacred realm. So here's the mentality of the people listening to us. And it's because of the way we're taught. We are in our sacred time and when we're listening to Carmen on the radio, when we're doing our 15-minute quiet time, when we're doing our 90 minutes at church on Sunday, but the rest of the time, we're earning a living. That is so not true. If you look at Daniel, he was a government leader, but the Bible says he distinguished himself among the government leaders of Babylon because he had an excellent spirit. He had gifts that God gave him, not for ministry, but for the government realm. He came up with ideas they never thought of because the king, he wasn't even trained in Babylon. He was trained in Israel, but the king interviewed him and found him 10 times smarter, wiser, more innovative, and creative. Well, here's the deal. If I'm a third grade school teacher, I should be coming up with ideas 
ideas of communicating wisdom and knowledge to my students that are causing the people in my public school system to scratch their heads and go, where in the world is she getting these ideas from? But if I don't engage those gifts, if I'm just a sweet, nice Christian lady, then guess what? I'm going to be like the rest of the other teachers in the school, and nothing's going to cause me to stand out. If you listen to Jesus's words, he said, let your light shine that men may see your good works, not hear your good scriptures, see your good works that they are wrought in God. So it is my hope and desire that in this time that we have faced in 2020, now we're in 2021, we have got to not listen to the world's voice of hide, withdraw, protect, and we do what the master told us to do, and that is occupy until he comes. That means the greatest moves of God we are about to see are going to happen in government, in education, in healthcare, in business. Why? Because the people of God are going to wake up and realize that God wants them to shine like bright lights, not by what they're preaching at work, but the ideas, the innovation, the wisdom that they're operating in. They'll stand out like Daniel. I love it. So um, my listeners are right now, they're saying to themselves, John Bevere has been listening to Carmen because I am always telling people to go be shiny, go be shiny, Um, shine like stars, uh, right? In a, in a perverse generation or go let your light shine before others that they would see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. I just recently had a conversation about, you know, what does it mean to be the see-through people, the people through whom you know, people can see Jesus, like, right, let's go be see-through, let's be shiny, go be shiny. So there you go. You are, we are talking off the same page. Um, absolutely. All right, we're talking with John Bevere, most recently the author of X, How to Multiply Your God-Given Potential. We want you to see that X as a multiplication symbol. We also probably want you to see it as the sign of Christ. Yeah, but we didn't even talk about the multiplication aspect, and that is three-fourths of the book. So we, I just gave you the introduction. Yeah, I know. And so we also didn't talk about the all the questions that are in there that point us to our purpose, which are so great. But let's let's do this one in our in the few minutes that we have left, John. Here's the I want you to do the um, this kind of comes late in the book, but make the connection to the kingdom, because what you talk about is that no matter what my gift is, like I got to move from the place where it's just potential to realized and I got to figure out exactly what it is in terms of my purpose. But I want you to connect each and every part of it to the kingdom, because this is the part that I think is just kind of just genuinely exciting. So with everyone's gifts, God never would have put place those gifts on their life if didn't directly connect with building the kingdom. Sometimes those dots are hard to put together. Mm -hmm. Uh, You look at somebody like a Billy Graham, it's really easy. A Mother Teresa, it's really easy. But I find the people that really are struggling are the people in the spheres of life that 98% of us are in. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this because I don't, I don't want to try to give a truth that took a few chapters to write and try to dumb it down to the elevator version. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, But mm-hmm. I, I will say this to every one of your listeners. You're not where you are in the realm of life by accident, and you're not gifted the way you're gifted by accident. There is a purpose for your God-given gifts. It is our responsibility. If you look at the two stewards in the parable of the talents, they recognized what was entrusted to them, and they multiplied it. They were called good and faithful. The other steward of the gifting He maintained his gift. 
he was called lazy. In regard to our labor, if you remember, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Food is what strengthens us. Carmen, what I've seen, more people have backslidden, walked away from God because they're not engaged in their calling. And the reason they're not engaged is because we've given that mentality of you're really not doing much for building the kingdom of God unless you're in the parking lot welcoming people in the church or if you're a greeter or if this. I'm not lightening that responsibility. We should be serving in some capacity if we have the time. Some people don't have the time in our local church. But where the real ministry happens is in corporate America, educational America, in our universities, on and on and on. Your gifts have been uniquely designed to build God's kingdom in those arenas. Most of the people in the United States are not going to church on Sunday morning. We have mm-hmm. become a, 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 a nation that is now secular. So where is God going to reach these people in the hair salons, in the recruiting offices, in, you know, in, in weight training gyms? I mean, I could go on and on and on. And this is my passion to get people to connect with their destiny of where they're at using those gifts to really shine for people. And I believe this is what's going to bring the greatest move of God our nation's ever seen. All right. John's got tons of discipleship resources posted at messengerx.com, messengerx.com. The book is X, Multiplying God-Given Potential. Um, John, before I let you go, um, I want you to give a little shout out here to um, Juliana, Jessica, Christian, and the future Mrs. Alec Bevere. Well, that's who I dedicated this book to is my daughter and daughter-in-laws that really are like my daughters. I always wanted daughters, Carmen, and we ended up with four sons and I wouldn't trade any one of those sons for a thousand girls. But boy, when I got these girls as daughter-in-laws, they really did become like my daughters. So I dedicated the book to them because I love them so deeply and dearly. I know. And I just thought that was so sweet and so unusual. And, um, and it just bears continuing ongoing witness through the life of your entire family. So we just, um, we celebrate you and we celebrate Lisa. We celebrate your boys. We celebrate the way God continues to multiply your family and um, the good gifts that he has invested in you uh, each and all and the way you very, very faithfully utilize those gifts to glorify him and advance his kingdom purposes in this generation. So it's just a joy. Thank you so much for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. We look forward um, to the next time and we're going to send people to messengerx.com. The book is X, Multiplying God-Given Potential. John Bevere, thanks for being with us. It's been an honor and a privilege. What a pleasure. We'll be right back. All right. Uh, one of the things we didn't mention during the interview, which is is that we have books to give away. Yep. If you are interested in John Bevere's book, X, uh, Multiplying Your God-Given Potential, text the word book to 877-933-2484, and we will give them away until they're gone. So you're entering a drawing at by texting the word book to 877-933-2484 for John Bevere's latest book. All right. um, As we move into this weekend, prayers for those who are struggling, uh, prayers for those who are feeling disconnected and lonely. Um, Why don't each of us um, 
take the person, whoever God has just laid on your heart right now. So God just brought somebody to mind, somebody who you personally know that is isolated, disconnected, suffering, hurting, facing a challenging time. And let me encourage you to not only pray for them right now, right now, pray for them, but also reach out to them, send them a text, send them an email, give them a call and tell them that God brought them to mind. Hey, God just brought you to mind and I prayed for you and I just wanted to check in. That's it. That's it. Um, God brought you to mind. I prayed for you and I just wanted to check in and then stop talking and let them talk. Um, There's a reason that God brought that person to mind in that moment. And so honor the movement of the spirit, honor the way that God is speaking to you right now about the need of another person. Someone beyond yourself is hurting and grieving and isolated and alone. And as a Christian, you can not only intercede for them by the power of the Spirit and the very presence of God right now, but you can reach out in fellowship and love. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.